Martin Luther, in his German translation of the Psalms, introduced them this way. The book of Psalms may well be called a little Bible, for in it is comprehended most beautifully and briefly everything that is in the entire Bible. We don't often read the appointed psalm for the day as part of our worship here at Mount Olivet, so we're going to try that today. And the psalm we will read from today takes a particular form, and it's a lament form, a, a lament uh, psalm. It's a prayer for a time of trouble, an ancient prayer for a time of trouble. The writer of this psalm wrote the prayer to express their pain and sorrow to God. Uh, we don't know the specifics of their situation, and it's not for us to speculate, but rather to experience this prayer, this lament, this ancient prayer in relation to our own lives and our own times of trouble. So this morning, I'm going to draw us into a devotional way to hear this psalm, and I'm going to call it, I Notice and I Wonder. So as we read through this, I want you to think about what words stand out to you and what you wonder about, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I notice and what I wonder about. So I invite you now to join me in reading this psalm responsively, and Kira is going to put it on the screen. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I am weary with my crying, my throat is parched, my eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. I have become a stranger to my kindred, an alien to my mother's children. When I humbled my soul with fasting, they insulted me for doing so. I am the subject of gossip for those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. With your faithful help, rescue me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Or the pit closes its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me.
Draw near to me, redeem me, set me free because of my enemies. Amen. I wonder what you noticed and what you're wondering about as you read along. I noticed that the writer of this psalm uses the imagery of being in water. Um, And what seems to be at stake is a lot more than just getting wet when you don't want to be wet. We all know that feeling. I notice that the waters are deep and chaotic for this person, that the person doesn't seem to be able to pull themselves out on their own. Whatever this situation is, is dire, and I wonder... Do we really notice when people are up to their necks in the deep waters? Do we see the pain in our family members and our friends and acquaintances, in our kids, in our elders, in our black, brown, and indigenous neighbors, in our LGBTQ communities? I wonder what prevents us from seeing those people among us who are up to their necks in the deep waters, what prevents us from reaching out? Our busy schedules, fear that we're not qualified to help, fear that we would overextend ourselves in some way, fear that we too could be taken down and be overwhelmed by the deep waters. I notice and I wonder. I notice that whoever wrote this prayer has been shamed because of their devotion to God. Innocent and righteous before God, the writer is humiliated in all the places. Everyone, family, friends, community has deserted them. Pain for this writer has been caused by insults and gossip and a mocking song. And so as Christians in the United States in the 21st century, we may not be able to identify with religious persecution, but we can probably remember a time or times in our lives when we too felt humiliated or insulted or unsafe in some way. Was it hard in those times to complain to God with honesty or to request God's help openly, like the writer of this psalm. That's one of the things about this psalm is the writer directs questions, requests, complaints directly to God. Is it hard for us, I wonder, to believe that expressing our grief and our sorrow openly to God can be as faithful a practice as praising God. I notice and I wonder. I notice that although this is a somewhat obscure psalm that was written perhaps over 3,000 years ago, we can still connect with it each in our own way on a random Sunday at the end of June which is a stunning observation in and of itself. And what I wonder is if and when and how a young Jesus 
Some a thousand years later, learning as he did in the synagogue, read or received this very psalm. I wonder if it influenced him and his ministry, and I wonder if it was balm in times of conflict and despair. The gospel writers seem to think so because a connection to this psalm is made in many stories about Jesus. It's made when Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple. This psalm is referenced when Jesus tells his disciples that in following him, they will experience hatred and pain. And finally, this psalm is referenced when Jesus is near death on the cross, thirsty and offered sour wine. See, Jesus knew that conflict was going to be part of following in his way of love. And that those who lived at the time of Jesus connected with psalms like this one, the one that we just read, to plead for God's help in difficult situations. I notice and I wonder. I notice that when the writer of this psalm cries for help, God doesn't appear to answer, at least in the way they expected. And yet, and yet, the writer is undeterred, pleading again and again, answer me, O God, rescue me, deliver me, turn to me, do not hide your face from me, redeem me, set me free. I wonder what prayers are weighing heavily on your hearts today. Can you identify with the writer when they suggest that God has taken too long to answer your prayers? I notice and I wonder. I notice that in their persistence and cries for God's help, the writer of this psalm still has hope. If you think about it, without hope in the abundance and the mercy of God, this psalm would never exist. It only exists because of the writer's hope that despite their suffering, despite God's slowness to respond, God indeed can be moved through prayer. And so I wonder if in whatever is weighing heavily on your hearts today, whether you can still locate a still small hope that God can indeed be moved through prayer. Can you locate a still small hope that God is moving even when we can't comprehend it? I wonder if that still small hope is enough faith for today. For the word of God that continues to live and breathe among us in lament, in praise, and all the things in between, we notice, we wonder, we give thanks. Amen.